Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. I am your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage in the Madison area. I'm here. My my co-host is back. Dog, you're back. What's going yes, on? I am. Co-host, Coach Manchi. Coach, how you been? I've been very good. It was just a great weekend of learning at the Georgia Tech Strength and Conditioning and Leadership Clinic in Atlanta. And I uh, got to hear Inky Johnson speak. And that was just an unbelievable experience. Well, that's good. So, you know, we'll be, we'll be covering some of that stuff in, in, in future podcasts. We may even co- have covered some uh, in, in some of the podcasts that, w- that we released before this one, but we're very excited today. Um, obviously, Dean, you know, we've had, you know, multiple guests on uh, college professional, um, both coaches and athletes. And the, the mental side of sports is a really big topic right now. And, you know, we heard Lauren Barnes talk about it. Um, you know, we heard Kevin Zeitler talk about it. Uh, Coach Jones, obviously, from Kimberly. And so we're very excited to bring on Ben Bartell, who is the owner uh, of Championship Mind. Uh, ben was a, a swimmer in college. And uh, he's going he's gonna to sit down and chat with us a little bit today. Ben, you over there? Yep. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Awesome, Ben. If you could tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, we're going to dive in, dive into obviously your your athletic career and and what you're doing right now. But just a little bit about yourself, and we'll get this bad boy rock and rolling here. Okay, sure. So the the short version is, uh, you know, I'm a Wisconsin resident. I've lived here most of my life. Spent a little time in in Minnesota where I went to college and and worked for about ten years or so. Um, I live up in Belgium, just uh, north of you know upper part of Ozaki County, south of Sheboygan, um, and have been a CMPC, which stands for Certified Mental Performance Consultant, and I've been doing that for now about, oh, six, seven years, something like that. Before that, did some coaching and, and some, some swimming as well, as you mentioned, yeah. And a few things I noticed. Yeah, you played a lot of sports, you know, multiple sport athlete. And Brian and I are big into multiple sports. You played some baseball, you did some basketball, hockey, tennis, golf, and swimming. So we got some team sports, we got some individual sports. How did that experience, just being able to play all those multiple sports, really kind of shape the person that you are and the athlete that you were as well? Um, well, I mean, it, I was a super high energy kid. Um, so like the first thing probably is just that like it really mostly just helped me stay out of trouble. You know, I was so busy doing a bunch of other activities that I didn't really have that much time to go and and really, you know, mess things up. Um, I loved playing sports as a kid. You know, I, I got nervous about things. I got nervous about playing. I wanted to do well, but, you know, I still like doing it. I still I still loved it. A um, couple of things that I th- think really helped me um, as far as my development first was you know this was I grew up in an era where it was kind of like you you signed up you went my parents didn't really come to practice it was kind of up to me to go do things I got so I, I really had a freedom to kind of just play and explore things you know I did a lot of sports some of them I, I practiced a lot played a lot some of them I just kind of dabbled in um, you know, but, but that's my ability to kind of take ownership of it for myself and just kind of, again, explore it was really, was really critical, which I think that also like, 
that's how little kids are designed. You know, like a little kid's nervous system is designed to be able to pick up a lot of different things. That's why it's easier for them to learn languages, multiple languages when they're younger. You know, so being exposed to a lot of different things helped a lot. Um, you know, I also was, I think it helps. I had chances to fail. You know, I, I, we would have big tournaments and I would lose the big tournaments and I wouldn't get a ribbon or anything like that. And had to learn how to kind of pick myself back up and, and move forward with it. Um, I think sports is also great for, for me, at least was the idea of, you know, overcoming obstacles, overcoming challenges and, and getting, earning the rewards from them, you know, really helped with confidence to, to know that I, you know, if I won something, it was because I put the work in and I did what I needed to, to earn it. Um, and when I got a little older, I actually didn't start swimming until I was 16. So I didn't start until high school, my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I was just rotten at it at first. Um, I did swimming lessons as a kid, but I, 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 when I started swimming high school, you know, I, I would play, let's say basketball when I was younger and I would, you know, practice maybe two times a week for an hour, maybe practice for another hour on my own. When I started swimming in high school, it was like two hour practices every day, Monday through Saturday, sometimes double practices in the morning, sometimes weightlifting. And I just totally immersed myself in it to a level that I really hadn't in the other sports that I was kind of dabbling around with. Right. So I really learned the value of like how to, how to put in the time, how to put in the work and, and really what that means to, you know, kind of progressing as an athlete and as a person. So. Ben, you ended up going to the university of Minnesota um, to swim and you went there as a walk-on and uh, ended up being a big 10 champion, American, and, and really had a lot of good success. Um, kind of share with our listeners, you know, I think there's a misconception with athletes that in order to maybe move on to college that you have to be you know, heavily recruited, high scholarship type person. Um, what was your mindset the first year being a walk-on uh, in a really good swimming program? And then, you know, progressing through. Yeah, I think that the year before, um, Minnesota had won the big 10 and was the top 10 in the NCAA. Um, you know, and I knew that they were really good and I knew that I was not that good yet. <laughs> and so it, it, I don't know my mindset. It's, it's kind of complicated, right? There's a couple of different things that went into it. Number one, and you know, take this for what it's worth. I was kind of ignorant of what it was really going to take to be successful there. Now, I, I think that that ignorance can help people and I think it can hurt people. In, in my case, it helped because, you know, if I, knowing what I know now, it's almost like I, I might've said, oh boy, there's no way I can do this. But, you know, I thought to myself, well, how hard can it be? You know, I was able to be successful and get a lot better in high school. Why, why can't I do this? You know, sure. um, so that was number one. Number two was I, I had a huge chip on my shoulder. So you, you guys have seen the, um, oh boy, what's the Michael Jordan documentary? Last Dance. Last Dance. Okay. So like everything that happens to Michael Jordan, I took that personally. It's like, oh, hey, Mike, great game last night. I took that really personally and I was going to show him that. And it's like, that, that was kind of how I, how I conducted myself, right? I had a huge chip on my shoulder. I felt like I had to prove everybody wrong. You know, looking back now, it was like I... 
had to prove it to myself, you know, more than I had to prove other people. Um, but huge chip on my shoulder. And then the third thing that I think really helped me was, you know, I'm, I'm walking on, they keep a team of like 30 guys. They've got like 40 something women. And with title nine, the way it worked was if, you know, if a couple of women quit, they're going to have to make a cut. I did not want to get cut. So I thought, I thought of it like, okay, what if today's my last practice? What if I train today and then the coaches have a meeting right after and they go, Hey, we got to cut someone. Who are we going to cut? Like, I don't want them to be like, well, this guy Bartel, he's barely working hard. He's not trying. He's got an answer. So I was like, every day was like a tryout. It's awesome. Cause I was right. I've, I was right on the edge. And I, I mean, I really, I was the ninth fastest backstroker my freshman year and they only had five backstrokers. So they, they had four other guys who didn't even swim backstroke who could all go faster than I could, you know? So, so like every day was my trial and that's how I, and that's how I approached it. Now, sophomore year, once I was established, did way worse. I rebounded junior year, but I, I took a step back because I was safe now. Right. You know? And you ended up being a big 10 champion and Olympic qualifier. And after the swimming days were over, you got into coaching. So explain a little bit about your coaching philosophy and uh, you know, why those mental skill training is so important. Okay. So, well, yeah. So after swim, I, I coached for about 15 years, um, started with coaching, just little kids. Um, and it was an interesting journey because I kind of started where I started and ended up in very different places. So I started with, you know, chasing, trying to get kids to chase fast times, go fast, be really good but I couldn't articulate to them why I wanted them to do this. So I think in some ways it almost came off as like, well, he just wants the, maybe the glory or he wants to only work with good athletes, that kind of thing. But how I would describe my coaching philosophy is like, I think sport is about, it's about being the best possible version of yourself. And that sport is just like a, an arena or like a workshop for you to go and achieve that, right? So it's like when, when you engage in sport, if I go in the backyard and I play cornhole with somebody, I'm not really taking a lot from that experience. When I have to dig deep and I have to sacrifice and I have to put in the effort and I have to put in the work and the time, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to learn about who you really are. And you're going to, I think, learn about who you really want to be, sure. right? And when you set really, like that's so, look, so as a coach, my philosophy is this is about this. And my job is to put you in position by, by setting high standards, um, by challenging you to go out and help you figure out what that journey looks like for you. And like whether or not you actually get to that point and achieve that thing doesn't matter that much because- I want to help you set an ideal for yourself or set a goal for yourself where where you are today is not good enough to get there. You've got to become a better version of yourself to get closer to that. Whether you end up actually getting to that thing, it doesn't matter because you're, you're going to win because you're going to learn more about yourself. You're going to become better. You're going to have better, stronger character. And you also might blow completely through that goal. You, don't, you have no idea. Nobody knows. 
right? So helping set people on that journey and then create an environment for them to go, to go take control of it and take autonomy for themselves. That's, that's what I want to be doing as a coach. And as I think, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, as far as the mental part of that, I think the mental skills, what, what I found as a coach and why I transitioned into what I'm doing now, the mental skills facilitate almost all of that. You know, I mean, they're going to have a subtle influence on everything you do, but then most importantly is they're going to have a huge transference onto the rest of your life. And, and with sport, it's like, you know, these are like the early chapters of your book, but the rest of your life is the rest of the book, you know, and some people get to play and, and write a lot of chapters and some people don't, you know? Well, and I think with like setting goals that, um, I think kids under or underset their goals a lot of times. They they set them at something they're they're afraid to put themselves in a that where they're not very comfortable, you know, where you really have to buckle down and 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 go after them. Versus, you know, I was all conference last year. I want, I want to be all conference again this year, or I want to do that. You know, we we had, with our kids tell them, hey you know, reach for the stars, go as far as you can, you know, make it uncomfortable for yourself, you know, type of thing. I, I totally agree. I, and I, I, I would do this little exercise when I coach swim, right. Where I would take a, um, I would take a, like a trash basket and put it next to me. And then I would put one like way on the other side of the pool and I would get a little piece of paper and I would drop it in the one right next to me. And nobody cared. Nobody said anything. And then I would like take that one and I would make a big show of it and I would throw it down the end of the pool 25 yards and usually just, just miss. And everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, should I feel bad that I didn't get that in? And then we're like, no, that's really far, right? And it's like, well, look, if I'm shooting really far, I might not get exactly there, but I'm going to get really pretty close. Yep. If I'm just shooting right here, I'm not going to accidentally hit the basket 25 yards away you know and you all got excited for me when i just barely missed did it really matter whether i got it or not like you you still found it compelling you still found it worthwhile you still found it exciting even if i fell a little short you know so where are we where are we tossing where are we aiming you know that's no, good yeah. um so as a coach you know we see this a lot too i see it at the high school level and i see it with a lot of different, you know, youth coaches and things like that. They really don't come with a plan. Um, you, you know, they just kind of go and show up at practice and they kind of lead the kids just through whatever they think is cool and, um, you know, drills they saw on the internet. So maybe give us a couple tips, you know, very prevalent, right? You see something on YouTube and it's like, oh, that looks good. You know, we talk about that in strength and conditioning all the time. It's, you know, if you're going to put something into your practice plan or your session, what are you going to take out of it? You know, um, so give us some tips on writing a good practice. Team. Okay. So I would say there's like two parts to it, I would say. And only one is the planning, but just hear me out here. So, I mean, when I, when I started coaching, I did kind of exactly what you just said. I went, well, I was pretty good and I did X, Y, Z. So I'll just give them X, Y, Z. And then they'll be really good. And it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, it kind of worked and kids kind of got better, but it, it wasn't great. So the advice I would give, and, and when I 
work with coaches or anybody that's worked with me, part of what I will tell them, right, is like, it's about answering questions for yourself. And that's going to drive the plan. So like, for example, it's like, what am I preparing for? What are we trying to prepare these kids or these athletes to do? What are the what are the pieces to the puzzle of what they're going to have to, you know, when they step out onto the court or they step out onto the field, what are they going to have to do? How do I create opportunities? And like, I want to, I want to figure out what they're going to do. And then I want to break it into a lot of small pieces. And then I want to create opportunities to rehearse the pieces of that or the parts of that and try to recreate for them what they're going to be up against so that, you know, when they're stepping out there, like I know, I know they're going to do well because I know they've prepared them for what they're going to have to go do out there, you know. So, so the so the planning I think of a practice comes down to almost reverse engineering from what they're going to actually need to do. Um, the other part to this is I think that regardless of what your plan is or isn't your culture of your team is going to be the, the thing that actually moves that. So I, I think of your culture, like it's your shared beliefs, it's your shared values, it's your shared language, it's your shared behaviors, where I could have the best plan in the world and I could give it to five different teams with five different cultures. And it's going to be totally different, same practice, or I could have not a great plan, but if I'm giving it to a team that has an exceptional culture, they're going to be able to get something out of it. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of both. And I think as a coach, part of when I plan my practices, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what are we trying to do? And then how do I marry it to like these behaviors, these values, these beliefs, and how do I kind of put these things together so that this will move this thing? You know, that the, the, the culture is going to move the plan and it's going to get them ready and they're going to be prepared. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And looking back, Ben, and just let's look at back the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Okay. So this is hard because I, I don't want to say I lose track of time, but like, I'm like five years went, because it feels <laughs> like sometimes years ago was like 10 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, when I was younger, younger coach, I, I really, I was so like, go, 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 always got to be better. Always got to grind. Right. Where like, anytime I'm, I'm like, oh, I have some time to read a book. I need to read a coaching book. I need to read a book on this. I need to, you know, I'm always got to be getting better. This helped me get way better as a coach. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes I would grind myself down. Right. And I would like sometimes bring my own baggage to practice with me. And then I didn't really realize it always. Right. So I'm like worn down and then I'm bringing that to training or bringing that to a competition. And it is absolutely having an influence on everyone around me. But sometimes when, you know, when you're wound up or when you're, when you're stressed out, it's, it's really hard to notice or recognize that sometimes that you are having this negative impact. So the thing for the, in the last five years for me is like letting myself have time to like recharge my batteries. So like spend time with family, spend time with friends, 
spend time by myself, you know, and, and to try to find that balance. You know, the other thing is, I guess, uh, you know, when I was younger, I, I felt like I needed to be an expert in all things. And so that was like what part of what drove this, like, I have to go, have to go, have to grind, have to grind. That like recognizing that like, I don't have to be an expert in everything, but I probably should know experts. If I know experts and can utilize their different disciplines and their expertise, the, the, the athletes are gonna ultimately get to where they, I want them to go. They're gonna be better prepared than if I'm trying to dabble into something that I don't really, you know, like I'm not a strength and conditioning coach. So I shouldn't try to run a strength and conditioning program for my athletes. I need to find the best dang strength and conditioning coach I know. And I need to create this system. So for me, it was like being able to take that step back and, you know, create that space for myself. And, and this is like the, what I've carved out for myself here is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be that expert for someone else ultimately. You know, I'm trying to be part of that team rather than before I was trying to make the whole thing mine, if that makes sense. No, I think that's great. Um, so Ben, uh, the, the topic of our, or the title of our podcast is Get Your Edge. So if we wanted to put up a, you know, a big billboard with, with your face on it, with your Get Your Edge advice for our athletes or coaches, you know, what would, what would be your get your edge advice? You know, something that they can use as a competitive advantage, you know, for their, for their training, their coaching and so on. Sure. Okay. So I'm not a, a marketing guy. I don't think so bear with me. Um, so there's this concept that I use when I work with my athletes, right? Um, there's this concept of little wins, we call them. So the idea here is when you, when you see an exceptional athlete, you know, when the Brewers take the field today and you watch these guys go and it's like, they're so talented, they're so skilled, they're so exceptional, they're so good. What, what you're actually seeing is like an accumulation of like a million and a half little tiny successes, little tiny wins, right? And so sometimes as athlete and this is a lot of what i end up working with athletes on is like they will be getting these little wins but they won't recognize them either because they maybe are just looking for big wins or they're so busy comparing themselves to other people that they they don't realize all the good things they're doing or sometimes it's even like a kid might be an athlete might be so hard and so demanding on themselves that even when they have a little success they're like, no, that's not good enough. Now there's a thing where like, you can have a little success and say, yeah, that was good. I can still do better. But if you consistently deny yourself those little wins for like a whole season, I mean, how on earth are you going to be confident? Right? So, so my, my billboard, right. I would say there are so many little wins that you can have every day in training, find them, earn them, celebrate them and then get ready to do it again tomorrow. And no matter what, keep stacking up those little wins. It's on a board billboard or not. <laughs> we use that, you know, we use that where um, 
we use like a two and a half pound plate for our kids and, and just, just tell them the example of adding a two and a half pound plate, you know, each time, you know, every month, you know, that becomes 60 pounds a year they're putting on their bench or their squat. And that's 240 pounds in four years of high school, you know, and you don't realize, you know, how, how much that is, you know, but kids putting 250 to 300 pounds on any lift in four years, you know, so I love that concept. Yeah, I, I, this is what I, part of why I love strength and conditioning and I love strength and conditioning coaches, you know, because it's so clear to see it's harder in what I do because it's harder mentally to recognize it. That's a lot of what I do too, is how do we create objective measures for the progress we're making mentally, you know? Yeah, that was perfect. Cause you see so many times, you know, I coach track and field. And so many times a personal PR, but it really wasn't what they were looking for. They wanted even more than a PR and then they don't celebrate it. It's almost like it's a situation where there's no celebration at all. It's almost like huge letdown with bad body language. And it, you just had a personal record. And it, it's such a, a great thing. The kids don't understand the work that they put into and all those little things. And then they want it too much at one time. Yeah, don't want to be patient. And yeah, PR is a PR. It doesn't matter if it's two and a half pounds in a weight room or if it's, you know, two inches in, in a throwing event, for example, in shot put. So that was that was really great advice. What's the single thing in your opinion that most prevents athlete success? Okay. So this is a hard one, right? You got come up with one. Yep. Um you can give us a couple. Sure, sure. Well, I, I, I think I've got one for you, but I, you know, one of you had mentioned, I think earlier talking about maybe like goals and high standards and paying attention to those things, right? So like when I talk to my, my clients about goals, right? We're talking about like a goal is just a, th a thing that I'm directing my energy towards, right? That's it. Where, where am I pointing? Where am I putting my energy? So I, I think of it like climbing a mountain, right? Where I, what mountain top or what hill or where am I trying to go? I think the thing that prevents success more often than not is somebody will have a dream. Somebody will have a goal. I want to get to the top of that mountain. They get so preoccupied and spend so much of their energy thinking about whether or not they're going to get there that they don't spend enough energy like thinking about and paying attention to what do I need to do to actually make progress today? You know, and just, you're, I mean, think about it. If you were going to climb Everest and you just stared at the peak the whole time and you started walking, it's like, you, you don't know if you're going to go in the right way. You probably are going to feel like, Oh God, I'll never get there. But then if you like stop and look behind you, it's like, Oh, Hey, actually, I've come pretty far here. Where's my first base camp? Where's my first marker? So I, I see this all the time with athletes that they're so they're so worried, and then that comes with all kinds of nervousness and anxiety and getting worked up and all kinds of things. That, yeah, it's, I'm so worried about whether or not I'll do it that I'm I'm not actually doing it. No, I think I think that's a great message as well. Um, so with championship mind. Ben, kind of yeah. tell our listeners, you know, uh, a little bit about your services and, and 
you know, maybe how they can contact you if they're interested. Um, I know you did talk a, a little bit about, you know, having uh, a little bit of a, a, a age criteria. I don't know if you want to say that where, you know, at some point parents, I, I could say this because I think that I do a lot. Parents need to understand that younger kids need to enjoy the sports versus, you know, how many national championships or scholarships they're going to earn at the age of six um, and, and things like that. But I think that was, you know, I'd like to talk, like to have you share that a little bit before we get off. And then also, um, you know, we talked off air a little bit about this, about maybe just what you've seen with the pandemic um, with the kids and, 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 you know, athletes and, and people in general. So maybe a little bit about your services for our high school coaches, maybe possible high schools or, or professional coaches, things like that, or athletes. And then just kind of conclude a little bit about what you've seen with the pandemic, because I know Dean in the high school level um, and me as well in the private sector, um, you know, we've, we've seen some kids that, that have been affected by this and, and coaches as well. You know, I think a lot of times we see, you know, and, and we're worried about the young kids, which we should, because what, what's going on and what they've had to deal with is something we've never had to deal with before. Um, but I think, you know, Dean has talked about this with me privately a little bit. Coaches burn out and they just, you know, things like that. So, you know, share a little bit about your services. I know I was long-winded there, but I, I really think it's important because I think this is something I'm really interested in hearing. Um, you know, how the pandemic and, and all some of the stuff we've gone through the last two years has affected some of your clients and what you're seeing. Sure, sure. Okay. So as far as uh, what I do, you know, with my organization, I um, work with teams and individuals um, to try to you know, help them navigate the mental side of their performances. So some of this becomes educational um, and trying to help them kind of create a, a model or a formula in their mind of how to even think about the mental side of it. Because, you know, most, most people would agree that, uh, you know, I, yeah, mental is, the mental part of sport is really important. But then when you say, well, okay, how many people have a plan that's specific of what they're going to do in order to improve their mental skills? most athletes go, uh, what? <laughs> so that's, that's more or less what I'm trying to do when I come in. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to do three things. Um, one is I'm trying to help them develop tools in their toolbox so that when they get into certain situations out in, um, you know, out on the field, out on the court, wherever they are, that they're feeling nervous or worried or frustrated or whatever. I want them to have tools in their toolbox. So they go, okay, I'm feeling this way. That's fine. I know what to do here. I know how to handle this. I know what I need to do to get to my, to get to where I can compete my best. Second thing I'm trying to do is most of the time when we, you know, you talked about younger kids and having a criteria, right? Younger kids who play sports, there's almost no younger kids who are like, they're getting in there and they're thinking, now, how do I feel about this? And what do I want? Their beliefs, their behaviors, they are observing their parents. They're observing their coaches. They're observing their teammates, more their parents, the younger they get. Right. And that's where they're, that's where they're forging these beliefs. Right. So, you know, this is why parents have such an important role to play uh, as far as just letting kids play and letting kids have fun and letting kids explore. Because if a kid gets it in their mind early that this is all about winning or I have to, this is the one that hurts the most, right? I have to do well 
in order for dad to be proud of me. That one gets you, right? But that sticks in there at age six and it doesn't go away until you take it out or deal with it, right? And usually I start working individually with kids right about 11 or 12, 13, somewhere in there because prior to that, I, there's not that much I can really do, you know? Um, and it's, it can be hard to see, but it can also be extraordinarily rewarding when, you know, an athlete realizes, oh yeah, you know, I think this just because I've always thought it and I can change my mind here and I have autonomy and I can, and I can make this better for myself because almost always the reality is also the parent just wanted the kid to be happy and successful and feel good about themselves. You know, that's almost all the time what's happening, but it's like, there's a miscommunication there. So anyways, yeah. So I work individually, try to create a plan, um, work on those two parts. The third part I'm always working on is to help them remember, why are you doing this in the first place? You know, very few kids got into it at age six because they're like, well, I want to be the best eight-year-old baseball player. In the oh, I love being with my friends. We had Kool-Aid afterwards. Like even the professionals, right? I think it's important at that level to say, okay, yeah, I'm making a living doing this. Yeah, I've spent all this time. Why do I enjoy this? What do I get out of this? You know, like you have to stay connected to that. Yes. Um, as far as working with teams, you know, uh, I, I do speaking engagements and I do workshops to try to help give kind of broad ideas to coaches and athletes on things they can do to, um, you know, help develop those tools and skills. Um, yeah, and then as far as the pandemic, this, is, this has been interesting for me. It, and I didn't really anticipate how this was gonna play out, right? But like before the pandemic, 90% of, maybe 95% of the athletes that would come to see me, they're nervous about something. So it's kind of anxiety driven. I'm worried about this. I get out there, I get too tense and tight. I can't play that well, right? During and then after the pandemic, it's been about 60% of that anxiety, but 40% has been, what am I doing here? Why bother? What's the point if this can just get taken away from me again? You know? And that's, that's hard. And, and that kind of approach, you know, and that kind of, to hear that from an athlete, it's, it's hard for me to hear, you know? And so we try to, this is why it's important again, to stay, to be connected with that idea of why am I doing this? What is, how does this enrich my life? Whether I, whether I get to keep going or not, you know, but it's, it's definitely been in, been hard to, hard to, hard to see, you know, my heart goes out to these kids that have to deal with this thing that, I mean, who could have imagined, right? And it's, and I think for parents as well, right? Like there, there's no guide on how to parent through this. Yeah. You know Turn to page 42 at the, yeah. the pandemic page. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's so many different things. There's so many resources, even like you, you know, or other people to help parents deal with athletes, help parents deal with, you know, kids that may be involved in drugs and alcohol, have parents, there's really nothing that, that I remember, like when I was going to class, you know, when you have birthing class or all the other things that you have to be a parent where they said, well, when the pandemic strikes and your kids are at home for, you know, six months or you're, you know, like for us, like we had three college kids at our house. I mean, you know, we live, my, my wife and I are both in, in, you know, separated families and we have six kids between us. And, 
you know, somehow we got the three old, we've got the three college boys at our house, you know, and my, my kid's mom got the two, you know, high school kids. And, um, you know, my wife, Corey, her, her ex-husband had, you know, their daughter, but there's no, like, how do you parent through this? How do you, and my son's an athlete, you know, in college, you know, and how, how do you talk to kids about this? Dean, you, you've talked about it too with the kids in high school, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And, and, you know, we're just, you know, I'm glad that there's, you know, people, Ben, like you that are, that are out there, um, you know, for athletes to talk to, we talk to our athletes about this all the time. Um, and I just, you know, I, you know, I just had a, a teammate of mine that, that committed suicide, oh, um, you know, uh, that I played college baseball with and, um, you know, and I openly shared that with our athletes at sports advantage. Um, and I said, look, you know, sports is great. And it brings us all here together. Um, but there's never anything that you can't, you know, you know, we're here for you as coaches. And I think athletes need to hear that, that your coaches, you know, they're going to be hard on you. They're going to be tough on you because they want what's best for you. But at the end of the day, you know, they want to see you walk away successful and be successful in life, you know, because there's only one AJ Klein at Kimberly. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there's only, you know, so-and-so that that's going to make it this far. We, we want to see kids be great people when they leave. And I think a lot of times, you know, especially for the young male athletes, it's, it's talked to them about being tough and, and doing this and figuring it out. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you just need someone that, you know, that maybe it's not mom and dad that you talk to, you know, but, you know, I think that that's one of the things that I pride myself on as our coaches. And I know Dean, you do too, is that, you know, yeah, we want great athletes. We want you to win state championships. We want you to be all conference, all Americans, all that other stuff and, and hit all your goals, you know, and we're going to help you get there. But at the end of the day, we, you know, we want you to have a great life and walk away as a great person. Couldn't say it better myself. And I'm in total agreement. And I, it's, you know, I, we're expecting our first in August, you know? And so I, I'm excited for, you know, when they grow up and get opportunities to go out and, and hopefully work with, with people like you guys. So um, I, I love hearing it. Ben, one quick question I have for you is, you know, a lot of, Sometimes a parent will be in a situation where, you know, maybe they put too much pressure on their son or daughter. Is that something that, you know, is that something that you work with as well? I mean, do parents come, you know, we, we're looking at it from an athlete standpoint here. We think of, you know, mindset, mental training. I always think of athletes, but, you know, is there a reverse role where, you know, you talk to a parent and how to handle that situation to best you know be suited for their son or daughter? Okay. So that's, Yes and no. Okay. The younger the athlete, the more direct I might be with a parent. Mm -hmm. um, and usually with a parent, I'm, I'm trying to help them understand, okay, at this point of development of your kid's brain, this is how they're seeing things. This is how they're thinking about things. This is what they can, this is what they're capable of and what they're not. So like, for example, a, a young kid, their ability to really understand nuance and complexity is not that great compared to when they're older. So like when a kid comes home from school and they're young, how was school? It was the best day ever, or it was the worst day ever. You know, and there's not a lot of great practice, worst practice, you know? Very few kids at eight are like, well, you know, it was a complex practice and there was a lot of factors that went into, like, that's just not how they, not how they operate. So, so 
I want, you know, with a younger kid, I, I might be direct about here's how they might be thinking and here's some things you can do to help them. A little bit older, 99 out of 100 times, the parent wants what's best for that kid and their method of going about it might be hurting that kid. Usually I will not go to the parent and say, hey, you need to back off or whatever. What I want to do is I want to help that athlete develop social skills and the ability to, to communicate and say, you know, hey, dad, mom, I want to talk to you about this thing. I want to tell, I want to share with you because some, what happens with a lot of kids and, the, and their parents is a parent might say something that really bothers them. They don't know how to react to it. So they just shut everything out completely. I don't want to talk to you about practices at all. Don't come to my games. How was practice? Fine. You know, because they're trying to avoid this kind of like where they're feeling they maybe are getting a beat down, right? So I want to help that kid develop the ability to work through that, talk through that and be proactive about, hey, you know, these are the things that you're doing, dad and mom, that really helped me a lot. These are the things that I'm working on that I jump to conclusions sometimes about this. And, and, and these are the things that sometimes when you say this, I know you're really well-intentioned, but this is how it makes me feel. And that's, that's really hard for a teenager, as you can imagine. And, you know, but we try to do this in little steps. You know, that might be an eight out of 10 conversation and they might be only comfortable with a three out of 10. So then we're trying to figure out, okay, well, what's a four out of five out of 10 conversation look like and how do we have it? You know, does that, does that kind of answer your question there? Yeah, I think just empowering them. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, it, and it's got to be harder, right? I mean, Dean, we talk about the cell phone. I mean, because kids don't have just normal conversations with each other anymore. Like, I, I mean, like my, my boys are like, oh, I'm talking to this girl or I'm talking to this. And I'm like, where is she? Or, you know, or, well, I'm, you know, I'm sending her a Snapchat. Well, that's not talking to her. You know what I mean? I mean, and, that, and you see that with, you know, that's how they communicate through Instagram, through DMs, through, you know, things like that. Sure. I would love to, to, to put our generation of kids back into, <coughs> excuse me, the eighties generation where you had a landline. And if you wanted to talk to one of your friends, you had to call them on the phone and you had to deal with call waiting and you had to deal with a busy signal because someone didn't have call waiting, or you had to leave a message on a voice, you know, and try and set up how you were going to get to practice. You know what I mean? Without being able to text them at five 30 in the morning and things like that, that, I, that, that to me, that would be the ultimate for our kids' generation right now, because for like what you're talking about, that makes communicating with adults even that much harder, like with coaches, because they don't even like text message your coach. They just kind of, he's mad at them. They'll text message someone else. And there's a lot of like, I want to avoid conflict. And then I internalize it and I feel like, oh, this guy hates me, but I'll never say, you know what I mean? I, I, I mentioned that, you know, or you mentioned, I think earlier, like parents not, no, we didn't know what to do with this pandemic, but I'll, I'll pose this to the athletes too, of like, what is this, what does the instruction manual for sports say that you gave your parents when you were born? And they're like, what do you, there is no manual. I'm like, right. So how are they supposed to know if you're not talking with them and you're not helping them understand where you are, how are they, they're just trying to, they're just trying to do their best. You know, they're just trying to, they're trying to figure it out just like you are. But I'm really pretty impressed when, when an athlete identifies this as like, yeah, you know what, this isn't helping. 
this can be better if I do something and I've got to do, I've got to take ownership of this. Kids that had been, you know, given the coat or given the parent, the stiff arm, they can really turn it around, given some time and given some, you know, like some tools. Well, it's been awesome, Ben. Um, if you could quick uh, give us your website uh, so people can check you out. Sure, no problem. So the website is uh, championshipmind.com. Um, and you can read a little bit about my bio there and what I do. There's also another place where you can kind of fill out a, uh, um, you can fill out a little form to get in touch with me. Um, when I meet with a kid, I like to have a small conversation with the parent before. And then I, I usually try to set up an assessment session. And the assessment session is like no charge, um, but I'm trying to get a feel for, you know, what's going on with this kid, who they are. I want them to, you know, get to know me a little bit and I want them to be comfortable with it. I want the parents, everyone's questions to be answered. And we're just trying to determine like, hey, is this going to work or not? What are our goals? What are we trying to do? Um, and if everyone feels like we're on the same page, then we can move forward. Um, so yeah, you can fill something out on the website. Uh, email, you can use uh, admin, A-D-M-I-N, at championshipmind.com. And then you can call or text, uh, I think it's 414, hold on a second, <laughs> sorry. 414-375-9017. We'll so, have all that, and we'll have all that showing up. Yeah, so. and uh, you know, any coaches out there who are listening who want to just talk a little bit about whatever's going on with their team or happy to talk as well. I, I love coaches, as you can maybe tell, um, especially having been one myself. So, Well, Ben, we really appreciate having you on. Dog, what do you got for Fox Valley throws this summer? You got anything? We'll be starting uh, sessions up in June. So we'll be getting that uh, information out this week. We're going to have to fire it this summer, right? We're going to fire Absolutely. It. Awesome. Awesome. And then Sports Advantage, obviously, we have our, our summer specials uh, going on right now for all our, our summer athletes, high schools, things like that. Um, really, really enjoyed having you on, Ben. Uh, it's a really, really key portion, uh, key part of athlete success. You find that the, you know, the, the athletes that really focus in on their mental training, their mental discipline are really successful. So I would encourage athletes to really start thinking about that. Parents as well. Um, and if you have questions, obviously, Ben gave all his information. You can reach out to him and, uh, you know, it's been great talking to you. All right. So this ends the, this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast, and we will see you next time. Chop it. <laughs>